What's happening, weirdos? This is the hilarious, incredible, and it turns out also Ramdas obsessed Ben Sinclair. We love him on high maintenance. We ran into him. I'm saying we because Val's sitting here with me. You love high maintenance. I it's do. It's one of your favorite shows. Uh, he is a delight. We ran into each other in Austin. We talk about that a lot in this episode. And then we recently ran into him at a Ramdas event. And immediately just deeply connected. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, maybe new friend. New yeah. friend, question mark? New friend, please? Hope so. Hope so. Uh, he is incredible. Let's get to it as quickly as possible. Uh, I have stand-up on December 14th at Largo here in Los Angeles. That's my only date to promote. Go to Largo-LA.com for tickets. Those shows are always incredible. Brett Goldstein, Judd Apatow, Sarah Silverman, Zach Galifianakis. These are the types of people that have done it in the past couple months. Uh, it's always awesome. So hope to see you there. I'm anxious to do some stand-up for you guys. So hope to see you. And if you like the show, try uh, try a Pete's Pick. Like Ritual Multivitamins, which both Val and I have been taking for about a year now, which I love. It is a unbelievably clean, uh, traceable, minty fresh, literally tastes like minty fresh, delayed release multivitamin. Meaning delayed release, meaning... People are always like, oh, you just pee out vitamins. Ritual waits until it's in the lower intestine to break down so your uh, vitamin nutrients can get absorbed in a way that your body can actually can actually do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It sure does. Mm-hmm. And ahead. they're also small. They are small. Really, they're not horse pills. Yes. I like. I, yeah. I get so whiny about having to take supplements because no, they're these are so big and they like are rough. Pledge. These are a joy to take. Pledge. Also, my doctor, my gynecologist recommended the prenatal for ritual. ritual. She thinks that it's the best prenatal out there. Boom. 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 Yeah, we boom. I mean, that's a little personal. For I our mean, lives. Oh. <gasps> Maybe we want to have another baby. We're not sure. <laughs> That's big news. Maybe big, big we want to have another baby. I mean, we, yeah. We just, and plus, with ritual, <laughs> just back into the ad, we deserve to know what we're putting into our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. And ritual's clean, vegan friendly multivitamin is formulated with high quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. No sugar, no GMO, no major allergens, no synthetic fillers, and no artificial colorants plus the fresh taste that i already mentioned and the delayed release capsule which i already mentioned make taking your vitamins very very easy it's a wonderful addition to our lives like we said both of our doctors have uh, noticed our vitamin levels being met which is as a vegan as a mostly vegan that can be hard for me but i'm getting my b12 from them i'm getting my d3 which is super important for your immune health uh so it's a great way to start my day and makes me feel ready to start my day. A multivitamin should contain key nutrients and forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in the diet and no shady extras. Ritual's delayed release capsule delivers high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3 and just two daily pills. You'll always know what nutrients you're taking and where they come from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. Now available for women, men, teens, and prenatal, Ritual's multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support life's different stages. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping and very minimal shipping, which I appreciate. Always, you can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. I've had to snooze once or twice. It was so, so, so easy. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. So get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering weirdos 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash weird. Sorry. 
Ritual.com slash weird to start your ritual today and show your support of this podcast. Another one that both Val and I are loving is Public Goods. Public Goods is the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at affordable prices. Everything from coffee to toilet paper, shampoo to pet food, basically all the stuff you always need. And if you're like me, you're always forgetting Public Goods has you covered. It's your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Uh, it's like, This is how you put it, Val. It's like a cool, chic, online general store, meaning everything kind of has its own aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Things that uh, you're not used to looking good, like hand soap or dish soap. Um, dish soap. Spray, cleaners, sprays. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now they look good. It's not just like a mishmash of random stuff. It's public good stuff, and it gives your home a much cleaner and more uh, uniform feel. Everything you've always need, pretty much all the time, done simply and beautiful. The products look minimalistic, modern, sleek, and clean. No bright colors or mismatched packaging. It looks intentional and gives your home a pleasant look. We noticed it at a friend's house and admired how it looks, and now we are totally on board with public goods. Members of public goods can buy all of their premium uh, premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined look. Uh, They scour the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products like hand soap. It looks like it's hand soap from the future. Dish soap, as Val already mentioned. It's basically all the stuff you need in one place. Knowing what's in your products and where they come from is super important. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment, which we love. They use a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. So join us and hundreds of thousands of others who have switch to the new everything store i've worked out an awesome deal for weirdos receive 15 dollars off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase that's right they're so confident you'll absolutely love their products and come back again and again they'll give you 15 dollars to spend on your first purchase so you have nothing to lose and show your support of the show go to publicgoods.com slash weird or use code Weird at checkout. That's P U B L I C G O O D S dot com forward slash weird to receive fifteen dollars off your first order. Last but not least, a true fave. A, a true, true fave, fave in this household. I've had two today. Oh yes. When I'm, I'm shooting, have one right after this. It's a wonderful nighttime, kind of in the ballpark of a dessert, but mm-hmm. but healthy. When you want like a sweetie treat, it's a sweetie treaty. I'm oh. obsessed with a strawberry vanilla. I believe uh, it is. Yep, yes. strawberry vanilla. We haven't said what it is yet. We're not even saying. It's a new way of advertising. <laughs> We're not even going to tell you what it is. At the very end, we'll reveal the. It's name. going to be a reveal. It's a twist, like a Shyamalan. When I am shooting and I need a little boost of energy, just a little kick, uh, not from sugar, but from fruit juice, basically. It's sweetened with fruit juice. Uh, it's it's all it's Olipop. I had it's to Olipop. say. It's Olipop. Guys, Surprise. guys, Olipop. I love soda, but I haven't had soda in literally decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's back in my life and I'm being real. I'm happier for it. They make some, not some of, they make the tastiest, the best 
um, healthy alternative soda that I've ever had in my life. This isn't diet soda. This isn't aspartame. And it's not cane sugar overload regular uh, soda. It is healthy, prebiotic filled, plant fiber filled, botanical supported, benefiting digestive health super soda that actually tastes amazing. This isn't like the sparkling water phenomenon. These are dark drinks. You pour the cola in a cup. It is dark like cola. Vintage cola is one of my favorite flavors. Classic root beer, orange squeeze, cherry vanilla, strawberry vanilla, current obsession, and classic grape, which is my all-time favorite because I remember going to the bowling alley, Wallex Bowling Alley in Waltham, uh, and I would always get Welch's grape soda, but of course Welch's grape soda has so much sugar in it. They all do. Coca-Cola has 39 grams of sugar. Their vintage cola, two grams. And it's not coming from that white powder stuff. It's coming from juice, which is incredible. Orange squeeze, five grams of sugar compared to orange Fanta, which has 44. I mean, it's just, it's irresponsible. Thank goodness Olipop is here to help us with non-GMO, vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly soda with less than 8 grams net carbs per can. They're so confident you will love their products. They offer a 100% money-back guarantee for orders placed through their website. We subscribed. We used our own promo code to subscribe. (laughs) And I've worked out a deal for the weirdos. Received 20% off plus free shipping on your order. I I recommend the variety pack. It's a great way to try all of the flavors and see which is your fave. So go to drinkollipop.com slash weird or use code weird at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P dot com slash weird. You can also get them in over 6,000 stores across the country, including Kroger, Whole Whole Foods, Sprouts, and Wegmans. But uh, do it online. Show support for the show. It means a lot to us, and you'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, enjoy Ben Sinclair. I sure did. Val, you say get into it. I want you to say get into it. Get into it. Yes. You seem like you you would have a an inference on it. That's not a that's not an insult. Here, let's get this hot sauna talk on there. People love the sauna talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to insist I that you keep, say this I, on this mic. The sauna is something where I keep on being like, I know I'm not going to use this eventually. I know I'm going to get this, and then it's going to go unused. I'll so I, I'll throw it. We had an elliptical, never used it. Uh-huh. Sauna used every day, because okay. you just sit there. Yeah, it's like, exactly. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. They were a sponsor on the podcast. That's how much I like them for a, a brief minute there. And I think it would still work if anybody's interested, <laughs> that you could still say, you made it weird. And jacuzzi sauna, I think, makes them. It says clear light on it. Well, it is a clear light sauna, but I think, but I think oh, it's yeah, sauna sold by works. jacuzzi now. Sauna Works has some very aggressive cookies. I'll tell you right now. When you go online and you visit a Sauna Works website, you won't stop hearing from them until the day you're dead. Is that a cookie thing? Yeah, they leave a cookie on your uh, like on, on your IP a address, Santa. and then you're yeah, and then you're uh, you'll see them everywhere. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I have that. Somebody already has this bit. I bought one, and I still see the ads for them. Uh-huh. I'm like, Up, update the cook. Yeah, there's no rewards for being a, a customer anymore. <laughs> there's no reward. You mean the you thing s- isn't even the reward anymore? What do you mean? Well, 
you used to be let alone when you bought something. You know what I mean? You used to have some sort, and now you just get it. Well, apparently you use it every day, and that's the reward. I I really love it. And we were just talking in the kitchen with Val about how you're like a West. You feel like a West, a Westie. A West Coast person, mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean that you, you have to understand. I'm a sauna person, mm-hmm. so it's not a, like a a rip, a rip, a jab. You feel like a guy that would own a sauna. You feel like you own a barrel shaped mm-hmm. hot tub. You know what I mean, like yeah. a wood paneled hot tub. You think I'm a sensual person? You think I, I'm a person who is? Are you not? Oh yeah, I'm. <laughs> sir- <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah. maybe I stepped on your no, toes, yeah, and you're like, yeah. "No, I am I extreme. Am very, I'm yeah. extremely." But uh, if I'm being completely honest, in the past year, if I had to really inventory my inventory my my COVID trauma, I have been a little less comfortable being touched by another person. Yeah, yeah. It's I've I noticed it the other day. I'm like I shirked away from like a friendly hug from a friend, and I was like, "What the hell happened?" Yeah, I mean, I know what happened, but. Yeah. Were you alone a lot during the old? Do you know, so I took a, I got, I I bought a Westphalia from my agent, Gregory McKnight. uh, Edit that out. uh, Huh? (laughs) I said edit that out. For no reason. I'm like, don't know Gregory McKnight talk. Oh, no. What is a Westphalia? Oh, yeah. Gregory McKnight. Is that a person? Yeah, he's my agent from UTA. He talks like this. Hey, Hey, Ben. How are you doing? Oh, Oh, just thinking about what a great client you are and what wonderful results you're always delivering. I just. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What a yeah. nice man. Yeah, yeah. He just sounds like, about you. He sounds like he has uh, just stepped out of the sauna. Actually, yeah, relaxed, he's like constantly. But energized. Hi, how you Life couldn't be better. Uh, the oh. kids are. Yeah, that he. That's how what it agency? comes at you. UTA. He's a legend. Okay. He's a legend. Yeah. He's what, a legend. what great results you're getting. Yeah. What great results you're like getting. Buffalo Everyone Bill. loves working with you. You're just a fabulous, uh, creative personality. We'll get what you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he, you bought a what from him? A, a Westphalia, Is that yeah, a 1990 VW Westphalia with okay. like 69,000 miles on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So that's why I took it. And uh, <laughs> and uh, if it had 420, yes, exactly. Thousand miles, you also would have bought it. Gosh, you're really trying to pigeonhole me into this. <laughs> Even the camper is pigeonholing yeah, me. Exactly. Uh, so I spent a lot of time alone in that, but if I'm being honest, I went on like the Hollywood diaspora tour, all of my friends in LA who had like retreated to Ojai or mm. Sea Ranch or... Yeah, we were in Ojai for a while. Yeah. When, what did you do? You went and visited them? I visited my my friend Michaela Watkins and Fred Kramer. Yeah, we're friends with Michaela and Fred too. Exactly. I didn't, I forgot that. I did yeah. know that. Yeah, they yeah. speak very well of you. Yeah, I love. Oh, Ben's a great guy. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. He's, a, he's always meeting, always meeting his potential <laughs> and exceeding all of our expectations. As a friend, he's always just coming by. Always brings a bottle of wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that we had them in common. So you bought the '69 <laughs> camper, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just went around 90, visiting yeah. folks. Yeah, I went around. I went up the. I took. I go I'm, by the years. I made a rule. Uh, to always, uh, to never drive more than an hour a day. You just did a Steve Martin joke inadvertently. Which one? He goes, always, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> you just did that. You went, I, I have to always, wait, never. <laughs> you just did it 
for fun, for real. It was just my consciousness. It was yes. literally just my stream of consciousness. It was wonderful. But so you never did what? I was only thinking about drive. Uh, yeah, it was always about comedy. It's always about comedy. Here. <laughs> I can't stop. I went can't to. Stop uh, I was. I never wanted to drive more than an hour a day. So if I was at a place, I would just ask somebody who was around, like in a gas station or at a cafe, like, "What's an hour from here? Do you live here? What's an hour from here?" So it took me. Uh, like five and a half weeks to get from LA to the Oregon border wow. and uh, went real slow la- during the COVID summer. Why only one hour for the, I mean, first of all, it's a cool idea, but was it because you don't like driving or is it because um, it's a cool idea? I think it was because I knew I have always wanted to go up the coast fast, but uh, if I am, uh, um, researching a trip or whatever i'll try to hit everything and then i'll mm. be rushing or i just know myself that i'll try to like do everything mm-hmm. so i wanted to find a way to slow down and not know what i was doing the next day but also see cool things that locals knew about so i would just ask locals it's a great like, idea. what's an hour away it's the it's the one hour travel plan yes exactly like if you were that kind of maybe you are you could write that book Here's yeah. like why you should only drive an hour a day. Yeah, and just try try to make as much money as possible and then try to uh, put all your assets into something that gives you automated income. That's really what you want to do. <laughs> Wait, that was good advice. <laughs> He's full of good advice. That was I good tell advice. You. Wait, keep doing an impression of him. Yeah, We're learning. No, exactly. He has his own podcast. He does uh, not. Yeah, he is a, a real estate podcast. Whoa. Yeah, well, that's yeah. automated income, I yeah. think, isn't it? I yeah. don't know anything. He about convinced it. me, to, he's like, uh, don't get a single family home, get a multi, get a duplex and have, put a family in the bottom and have them pay half of your mortgage. Yeah. Followed all that advice. You it's did. It's all great advice. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I, my dad is a, is, I don't like saying he's a landlord because that sounds like he's a mm-hmm. king or like a slumlord. It just sounds mm-hmm. bad. He does own and manage some properties. Mm-hmm. So he would have given me the same advice. He also really tried to get me to get the 15-year mortgage. He was just like, don't do a 30. You're going to get, you're totally ripped off on a 30. And I was like, uh, I was like, no, I'll, ju- I'll just pay it off. I'll give bigger checks when I'm able to. And he was like, hey, people say that, yeah, but they never do it. They never do it. <laughs> so now when I do it, there's spite attached. Does your dad have an enlarged tongue? Yeah. My tongue is actually way too large for my mouth. You know? <laughs> if you talk to him, you'd be like, wow. Pete nailed it. Yeah. It's a very good impression. I am I have no doubt. You know, I I have no doubt. I've it's seen kind. you uh I've seen you do your thing on stage a couple of times. You're really quite good at ah. you're quite good at speaking to people on mass. Thank you're you. really good at it. Thank I've, you. I've uh, followed you once, and I was like, man, this guy's making us look awful because you <laughs> just really have in, in Austin. In, uh, in at Austin, like a festival where, or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, man, this guy really knows. And I think, I don't know. I So the background of that Austin trip, and that was when what I was when referring we to, to when I saw yeah. you, when I was like, I'm better than I was back then. Yeah. Back then. Well, this is what you said. I saw you in a crowd at a Ram Dass event. And I just heard your voice and you went, I'm better now, <laughs> which is such a funny. That's when I was like, we got a pod. We got to hang because I love anybody with enough self-awareness, like self-awareness and depth. And like, I'm just it's just looking for another way to say self-awareness. I like people that know themselves and are open about it. Oh, yeah. And that really did it for me when you said that. So tell the people what you meant. We had a dinner in Austin. We I, had a dinner. What do you remember? So I remember. Uh, so I arrived in Austin I uh, had just started the dating app Raya 
and I was in Austin with my co-creator and soon to be ex-wife. And you we were, were starting to split. We at were that time. starting. We were starting to like. All right, we're going to this Austin festival, and now you guys will. That was the first time we booked two separate rooms for us for <gasps> oh, a press wow. thing. Was that sad? Yeah, I mean, it was sad, but it was also yes, it was sad, but it was one of those things where I wouldn't want a life without that experience. Now, mm. on the other side of it, I've become like twenty six percent more interesting because of that experience. I mean, this is a Ramdas. I know you love Ramdas. He yeah. goes, it's a, my childhood. What happened in my childhood? I've been milking it for 20 years. Yes, exactly. I'm like, that's me. I'm like, the things I've created based on my divorce are are, are many. This podcast is a big part yeah. of that. We don't really talk about it as much anymore. And then, of course, the TV show. There is something where you're like, that's the juice. Yeah. That's the stuff. That's how you feel about it? Yeah. Oh, big time. Really? Big time. Did yeah. you Do you feel like you figured out who you were because somebody like kind of put you to the fire? Well, I mean, it's a constant education, but uh, I definitely... I mean, I, I can't, I can't speak otherwise about it. Whatever happened through that experience, I have been able to, for instance, somebody came to me who's separating from their wife and child. And uh, I was having a crazy day. Like everyone was zipping out, in and out of the house, in and out of the, you know, my parents were coming by, a friend came by, there were people working on the front of the house. And this person was telling me about their separation and i their eyes started welling up with tears and i like just held them for a moment like in the middle of all this commotion like contractors and parents and Mm -hmm. dogs barking Mm -hmm. and you held them physically i held them physically and i was like don't touch no i'm just (laughs) you you were like wait i hate this (laughs) Uh, Uh, i gotta go i'm gonna drive an hour away from you right now (laughs) where where should i go um You, you burden them. Where do locals go? Stop crying. Where do locals go around here? Like something yeah, that a greasy well, spoon. Um, he, uh, but I just, he, I mean, he knew that I had gone through a thing, and he was like, I, you know, he, it, it, the idea that he knew because I had such a public separation and divorce that, like, I knew what he was going through, and I absolutely did. And I was like, just keep your foot on the gas, man. Like, mm. that's the biggest thing I can tell you. Like, all of this stuff is. It's not like don't feel it. It's not like stop or whatever. But as I, I I really enjoyed having all this experience behind me so I could really feel what this guy was going through. Mm. And then my parents came over and then I was like, all right, I, I got to <laughs> get out of my get out of here. I got to go try to figure out how to relate to these people. Oh, my God. I got a text, Ben, this morning. And it's sweet. I can see it both ways, but it does something to my body where my dad's like, your mother and I want to come visit. And this is literally what he said. He goes, I can't get her to go anywhere else. That's a that's a mouth-watering offer right there. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming because I yeah. can't get her to go anywhere else. And then he tacked on, but I want to see Lila. I was like, okay, this, this is this is great. This is how humans talk. <laughs> Tell me what you mean by uh, keep the foot on the gas. I think I know what you mean, but I want I want it. Um, keep moving forward. Do the next right thing. Uh, yeah, it just it's just like. I guess if you're looking backwards and trying, that's depression. And if you're looking forwards, it's anxiety. Yeah. So I guess just just try to keep moving forward and not because like my all of the suffering that I had was I was like, all right, 
okay, we're, we're going to change everything, but we're, we're definitely going to keep everything the same too. At the same time, we're like, well, we're still going to have this show together mm-hmm. and we're still going to like come into work every day. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually very uh, illustrative that I picked this Austin TV festival as a thing because that was the first time where we stayed in separate hotel rooms. And I remember that was a big shock to me, even though we had already been separated for three months. I was like, oh, what the hell? You mean we're not going to like stay in the same bed, like yeah. looking off each, each side of the bed and like yeah. sleeping back to back anymore? Like, <laughs> what are you what talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's our but There thing. is a comfort to that. I think a lot of people get stuck in patterns like yeah. that. And I'm saying this as somebody with codependent tendencies myself, so I'm not diagnosing you or even trying to. Yeah. Sometimes even a bad thing that you're not alone is better than being alone. Yeah, and I think actually being alone was a thing that I was, I sought out to figure out how to do when I went on that van trip. Mm. And the truth is I was connected to people via my phone and staying in their driveways. And there was very few moments that I was actually alone Mm. on that. Uh, And I think it's, it's pretty, to me, it's pretty funny. Like I remember one day I was, I was feeling so alone. Uh, I was right North of Santa Cruz and I slept at this place that has some personal significance to me and i woke up in the morning and i got i was so scared to be alone that i just started buying moderna stocks i just started (laughs) i was just like i have to do something so i just i just signed up for a uh uh what do you call it not uh jp morgan whatever like those i got like a a stock profile in e-trade thing and i just started buying stocks because i was feeling so alone you have nailed it yeah and it was a really good way to deal with that emotion i guess look and hindrance and hindrance in hindsight uh did that you mean it paid off yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so if you're ever alone just buy stocks i guess that's what i've learned (laughs) Well, you're not, I mean, I don't think you think you're wrong. I'm agreeing. Consumerism, yeah, and it doesn't have to be ugly. I've noticed at times when I'm feeling isolated, mm-hmm. that is when I might buy that iPad. You know yeah. what I mean? Even though I might already have an iPad. There's like this charge of like, I'm in the mix. That's so funny. Yesterday. <laughs> I'm a guy who buys shit. Yeah. Yesterday I was watching the sunset with my, my girlfriend on the beach and I was like, Man, spending like $1,200 on an iPad would really get my heart rate elevated slightly today. You are killing it. And I and I was like noticing this feeling and I was like, yeah, I really just want to spend money right now. Like I want to yeah. have the feeling. Well, I won't even care about the object. It's... It, but isn't that what we're we're stewed in? And I actually yeah. think it's kind of funny that we're saying it's not entirely bad. It's not like evil in and of itself. It it just is sort of what it is. If you want money, spend time trying to make money. You can make money. If you don't, if you if you want to just not feel your feelings, money is a way that you can put off that feeling for <laughs> like. This is like an ad for money. Yeah. Are your feelings kind of fucking you yeah, up right your, now? Your feelings bothering you? Put them off temporarily with, with money. Yeah, with money that you don't have, do have, whatever. But it is sort of like again. I'm trying to find the positive of it. Is it like money is like an energy, right? Yeah. It's, it's a force. Uh, at least we all sort of agree. Yeah, it's we can an go down exchange. that. It's an energy exchange, but it is energy, and you have mm-hmm. it. And there is something nice about pushing life to the next hand. Sure. You know what I mean? It's not food. It's not the same as giving someone food. But it is. I'm sort of giving you thing mm-hmm. that could be food, could be a movie, could mm-hmm. be a vacation. 
And if we are just sort of like cells under a microscope eating Mm. energy and some of the energy is money and then giving it away does sort of feel good. Well, it prompts a chemical, um, a a chemical happening in your body. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have been talking to car dealers in like casinos that's a lot crazy. lately. I was just, I just went. I'm going to talk about Vegas after this, and yeah. you brought up Vegas. Well, because that's it. Because these car dealers have the uh, most interesting job. They are they work off of tips, and they only get tipped if their people win. Mm. Except they're also winning for a place that all that they're also working for a place that always wins. Like mm. the house always wins, so they have to and. <laughs> help teach a game to the people while also being like nice and kind uh to get the tip while also that's right that's why they go like i would hit on that yes the, exactly the book says hit because on that. people who lose don't have anything to tip so they just have to remind people that when they this a is... good thing happens they give please remember who who yes. helped you get there and then on top of that everyone's drunk and on top of that, people are losing so much money and going through this incredibly stressful experience that this person just has to, like, they have an incredible job, actually. They're like an EMT, actually. Yes, They're sort exactly. of like helping you as you're bleeding out money. Yes. You're bleeding money. And they go, you know, you have 18, I would stay. Like, yeah. I'm showing 20. Uh, you know, this guy is 21. I'm going to have to hit. I mean, you're going to probably win. Just yeah. sit there. Yeah. And then you give him, I don't know much about casino like economy, but you give him $10. He gets $10. When you win money, I think there's a rake. I think the casino takes a, a little bit of it. Maybe. I don't know about that. Part. I don't know. I know. I do something. know that they work mostly off tips and like it's, it's, they, they'll have an hourly rate. That's like what, a joke. $10. An it's hour like a waiter. Then, yeah. And then most of their money is off. To, most uh, card dealers aren't unionized. Uh, in casinos because casinos were set up by the mob in the 60s and 70s and it's a that's a group of people who don't like their money being tracked or are right so there has been a non-union why are we talking about unionization of casinos but i'm, uh, <laughs> I'm like maybe it's because i'm a 42 year old dad but i'm like this is the shit well i because, love this because maybe <laughs> but i'm just thinking about the the personality that you need to deal with people who are i mean i the, the things i used to go to such great lengths not to spend money i'm like a very cheap person or i have been notoriously cheap in the mm. past and the amount of the time i spent not uh, spending money, if I had just devoted the same amount of time to trying to make money, I probably would have had more money. Yeah. And I've had, when I was working with Jed, he had a like, like your agent, your mm -hmm. agent sounds like a, he's a well-off guy and he kind of probably has like these perspectives and Jed would have interesting ideas about money. And he was like, you can't, don't hold on to it. He said he got it from Deepak Chopra. He was like, don't hold on to it. Keep it moving. Yeah. It's like scarcity, depravity or like abundance. Yeah. And there is something to it. Like, mm -hmm. I, I actually think you said it way better than I said, which is if you spent as much time trying to make money than you did trying to not waste money, you would have made more than you mm -hmm. saved. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. It's uh, <clears throat> If that's what you want, then all, all you have to do is use it, I guess, to make more. Also, people lose money all the time for... I guess the answer is like, yes, holding on to anything energy. you lose. Holding on to energy doesn't work. Yeah, I, yeah. I, my daughter is obsessed with Rapunzel. It's the Tangled mm -hmm. movie. 
that's what it is. She's keeping life itself mm-hmm. in a tower. Yeah. And that is the message is you can't hold on to youth. You can't hold on to life. Life needs to be let out and yeah. to marry a thief. Like literally she marries a thief. You have to let your daughter go and marry a thief. It's <laughs> sort of like the message of that movie yeah. because you can't hoard it for yourself. There's something unnatural. And that's, and that's what dragons are. Dragons are always on piles of gold that they can't. Oh, this yeah. is Joseph Campbell. I've said it a million times. Gold they can't spend in a virgin they can't have sex with. But at least you're safe and you Mm -hmm. have the thing. That's not the thing. The thing is relationship. This whole thing is relational. Mm -hmm. And this actually goes back, like reality is relational. Uh, Information is relational. Like awareness seems to be relational. Identity is relational. And it goes back to spending money feeling good. That's a relationship. Mm -hmm. You're buying something from Apple. Which, by the way, in our consciousness is is like a person. Mm -hmm. Like Nike is like a person. Yeah, corporation. Yes. The corporeal, it's like means a body, corpo. It's a body. Yeah. And it has its own style. It has its own language. And it has its own relationship with you. Mm -hmm. Somebody just told me that like, People that have Android phones, like they put them in CAT scans. People love their Apple phones so much. We know that, mm-hmm. that they love their phones. But people that love Android, somehow they figured this out with neurology. I'm not sure. I can't, I can't give you the data. But they were like, people who love Android love it in relationship to it not being Apple. Mm-hmm. Like Apple still has them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like they have yeah. it. And the reason they love it is because it's not Apple and fuck Apple. But mm-hmm. Apple is still winning because the android its value only exists because you're saying fuck you to something that is yeah. winning <laughs> isn't that weird it is i mean it's just uh i i i find i'm i'm trying to like not get upset about like the the big organizations ru- ruling our day-to-day and our interior lives because it's just happening like mm. for instance like would you uh, if it were uh, socially acceptable, have, uh, mm, let's say, a dog that is a robot that never dies, that just, like, exists your whole entire life, and it's like... Permadog. Pre- yeah, permadog. Yeah, permapooch. <laughs> if, you know... This is very Philip K. Dick. I love this. But, I mean, if the if it was socially acceptable, I would probably easily do it. Get the dog that never, and I can go in and tweak it so it doesn't bark. Yeah, if like, you want it, if you want it to not bark, if you want it to not poop or whatever, you could also have your dog be perfectly imperfect, which is yes. to say, your dog could like surprise you and misbehave, and right. you could still have like, like Sim City disasters on. Yes, if you could, <laughs> if you could have a perfectly imperfect uh, robot being, I probably, I, I would, I would. I would look look forward to the day where I was like, okay, whatever, cool. You're my best friend, robot. <laughs> Fine. What am I gonna fight it? It's gonna it's coming. It's coming so I hard. I hear what you're saying. So like I've spent a lot of time being like, God damn Apple with their fucking chargers and their software updates and that, their- that iPad has a new charger port. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm right there. Yeah, because they got they us. got an extra seventy dollars because I had to buy two extra cables. And I went to. Uh, they you know, got us. They got <laughs> so us. Funny. I really felt when you said that there were two chickens in like wired off coop. Yeah, and you're like, bark, bark, bark. <laughs> you can put the subtitles on. They got us. They, they got, got us. us. They got us. I uh, I was submitted a script to direct about a void that was engulfing the world and the main character is running from the void but the rest of the world is is like going willingly into the void being like 
This is like McKay's new movie. Oh, is that it? Don't look up. Oh, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And there yeah. are people who are like, "Stop it, stop it!" And they're yeah. like, "Why?" Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's just happening. <clears throat> it is just happening. Yeah, that's really funny. So this is one of the things I remember about our dinner, which I do want to get to in chronological oh, yeah. order. I, I won't forget. But we were in the car, and I was feeling like self conscious for some reason, and I saw a really long line. And I made this awkward joke. At least I thought it was awkward. I was like, <laughs> I forgot I have a show. But then immediately was flooded with like Judeo-Christian guilt that I was being in it. Like, I didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. And I could see myself, maybe if we knew each other better, you would know that I was just being like, yeah, I have a show. I'm a big I'm a big shot. All these people are waiting for me. But we don't know each other that well. So I got flooded with a little hot guilt. And I was, you didn't make me feel anything. But I felt like a little, sh- like a cloud in my belly. I was like, what are you doing? Why would you, are you so insecure that you have to go like, this line's for me. Hey, Ben. Yeah. This line's for me. I'm a special boy. And then, I, but this is the, the you're going to like this because it goes back to your, your void. I go, I'm sorry, man. Like in real time. See, I like self-conscious, self-aware mm-hmm. people. And I'm trying to be one. In real time, I just go, I'm sorry, man. I don't know why I made that joke. This line isn't for me. I, I must be insecure or something. And you just went, <laughs> you were looking out the window. I don't think you even looked at me. You just went. It's just life, man. (laughs) I'm not buttering your bread. I think it's just life, man. All the time. Like, yeah, sometimes you make like a sweaty kind of self-serving joke. Why are you beating yourself up about it? This is a big Val thing. Tara Tara Brock said to her, she's like, it's not the feeling. We don't get... uh, it, the problem isn't the feeling. The problem is the shame that we mm-hmm. feel for feeling the feeling. Yeah. So I was feeling cocky. We were probably having some drinks. Maybe we were stoned. Yeah, I, would, I was. I was definitely stoned and definitely drunk. At that I think time I too. might have been drunk too. And yeah. That's like a classic drunk joke, mm-hmm. and then the guilt. But you, you're. It's just life has really stayed with me. It really has. Yeah. I've, You're I've, saying that about life. Like, look, all these things, Instagram is coming to take us away and Apple is coming to take us away. And there seems like a, it's just life. I don't mean Well, there is just so much reason to, you know, I, I really appreciate it uh, when I know a person's moral center is intact, but they are able to say the wrongest things possible as long as i know that their moral center is intact behind that right i love the type of humor would be like you know like for instance like i was i was um hugging this person who um was separating from their wife and my parents happened to know their wife Mm. and i like i hugged this person i went over to my parents and i was like oh they're getting separated my mom goes probably because she cut those bangs and i was like man you are so funny mom like that is so insensitive and so hilarious wow uh that is that is really good we have similar mothers yes that is what my mom would say yeah yeah just to relate i remember coming home from the mall i bought my first watch and she was like that's gaudy (laughs) like just said it i i know that's one of my go-to examples but like not everybody had a mom that was just like probably because she cut those bangs huh (laughs) You almost can't hate it because it is so funny. Yeah, it's just I I don't know. I I think it's the gestalt of like yeah, give me the kindest and the meanest person at the same time. I love paradox like that. Me I think too. I was drawn to Ramdas because of paradox because mm-hmm. I I enjoyed this idea that 
this guy who was constantly calling himself out was also this uh, asp- this had this aspirational love attached to him who was also like but also like I'm already only talking about this because I've been to the other place so many times and I've been to this many orgies and this right, many right. trying to collect all of the sensual um satisfaction i could and have been left dead in a ditch mm-hmm. you know so and the achievement stuff too that's where yeah. i come in yeah uh i it's funny i was going to ask you your favorite ramdas story and mine just to prime the engine is is what you said is like uh it's in the vein of what you said is that he's in line for the adult movie theater and someone mm-hmm. recognizes yeah. him as the spiritual teacher ramdas and he didn't leave you know what i mean like that that's exactly what I was looking for my whole life was the guy that not only did that happen to, yeah. but he, then he told me about it. Yeah. I don't mean he just told me, he told the public about it. But it's it. so funny because he told, plenty, uh, I mean, gosh, I, this is a whole separate podcast unto itself, but the... Uh, we'll give it to the Patreons. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm just kidding. They can There's have no, it. no Patreons. It's happening. Um, <laughs> it's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> they... Uh, they Somebody recently told me that uh, the first time they met Ramdas, uh, they uh, went and saw him speak, and then he brought this person home with him. This was male. They brought him home with him, and this guy was like, "And I realized that Ramdas was like hitting on me, mm. like that he was trying to make it with me." And he says he remembers looking out the window at the street and looking at Ramdas and being like, "Please don't do this because." Because of who you are to me. Because I don't want this to end. I don't want to have to leave. And if you do this, I'm going to have oh, to leave. Oh, I see. And now these people have been friends for 50 years. So by like that lesson right there, by just trying not to possess somebody as an object, as a sexual object, or not just like what happens uh, when you... Uh, when you like kind of give up the thing you want for the thing you don't know is behind that that mm. that, that door like 50 years of friendship is pretty good that's really interesting you mean the the bait was sex yeah and then what you actually got tricked into yes and isn't that just like sort of the divine sense of humor yes right? exactly yeah. exactly yeah and so and it's those stories about ramdas that i'm i'm that like your movie theater thing that yeah. I get the most excited about the seedy stuff because the seedy because the narrative of a somebody who has a he's not a guru but he's got a guru essence around him uh, the typical like sensationalist uh, American entertainment narrative is you know your wild wild countries your mm-hmm. your nexiums which is to say that a bunch of people get really into a thing and they feel like they found the thing and then they discover that like the leader of the thing is a pervert and it's always sex or yes it's always sex or sex and guns yeah money definitely money too so i like the story i liked the ramdas version because you start with the perverted stuff first right right you start i like the idea of starting with like man do you know how many guys i fucked like mm-hmm. so many and mm-hmm. i have to tell you right now that the one that i didn't fuck is like the, my biggest treasure like <laughs> you know like i've collected so much ramdas and i've never heard that one but it feels in line with what, yes. he, what he's about and when i i came from the the christian tradition which was like 
act like none of that is happening. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mean to put everybody down, but like what I witnessed, so it's not the whole church, but what I witnessed was like, you go to church to do your church character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like when shit would happen, like when I got divorced, I remember this pastor, he's actually a very nice guy. I don't mean to say, actually, he's a nice guy. He said to me something very honest. He was like, yeah, the, the, the church doesn't really know what to do with suffering. He's like, we, we're, we're bad at this. I know your wife just left you for another guy, but uh, you, I, I got, we don't have much for you here. <laughs> like, and I, I really appreciated his, his honesty because I, it was almost like my first acting gig was like pretend to be holy. You know what I mean? It's a big passion of, of mine. And one of my biggest talking points that I love talking about is loving your neighbor doesn't mean liking your neighbor, but that's how we interpreted it. So we were like painting our our oranges orange. They were all yellow, but we're painting them orange so we could go to church and act as if we had been converted, act as if we had been transformed. I don't mean converted to a religion, but like God had touched us and now we saw the oneness and we saw the brotherhood and we saw the love. But we were just like, it's almost very Western. It's like, fuck that shit. Just pretend like you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you yeah. meet a real person that like knows the impersonal love of a soul to a soul, you, there's no faking it. But we were like, you can kind of fake it. <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, Chip, you got to give me the recipe for this banana bread, man. That is some good banana yeah. bread. And you get in the car and you're like, fucking Chip's a weirdo. You know, like, yeah. of course. Yeah. You hate, you hate Chip. I yeah, but uh, I yeah, but I think yeah, you can love Chip too. Like it's it's oh now I'm there. Yeah, yeah. I'm like you cannot like Chip. You can even have a boundary between you and Chip, and you can even talk honest shit about Chip and still be like, I love the Chipness. He's just yeah. being Chip. Chip isn't for Pete. That doesn't make him a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, but you you know what I'm saying. Like, I do know that's what you're a saying. huge Ramdas thing. Is like you can love someone, but you peace and love from the soul level is completely different from like an intellectual manufacturing of like, okay, I'm going to relax. I'm going to relax. Mm-hmm. Just relax. Relax is so different from like stepping behind your brain into the part of you that is peace mm-hmm. the part of you that is love. But that doesn't mean like I need to like hang out with my arch nemesis because Jesus told me to love my, my enemy. Well, if you want to make more money, you'll keep your enemies closer and then you'll, <laughs> then you'll... that's the lesson I got to yeah, tell yeah, you. Yeah. Keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer, Ben. Keep, keep them in that downstairs apartment, the garden apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to want to charge them 75% of the mortgage. <laughs> that's your little revenge piece. Um, I said a lot. What did that make you think? Of? I just wanted to f- try to circle back to the, the Austin, the, the Austin experience. Yeah, so you said this line is for me. Sorry, I said that. I told you it was just life. But this is after dinner. Oh, this is I after dinner? I want to go in order. Because I met, I remember when I met you, we, we sort of had like sister shows. Yeah. You know, we were in the same programming slot. And the same crop. I mean, your yeah. first season was when my first se- our first yeah. season was. And we did three seasons. Yeah. And you did three seasons. Yeah. And we shared crew and stuff like that. And we that shared as well. crew. Exactly. Yeah. And we were both in New York. Yes, exactly. So there's a lot of things going on. Uh-huh. And then I go to Austin. I remember you and your showrunner? Question mark? My ex ex, um, it wasn't I, we were the showrunners. It was, it was me and the creators and our third executive producer. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I was there, and I remember meeting the two of you, and we were drinking Waterloo sparkling water. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember Look it. At it you. was the first time I had water, <laughs> sparkling water. Yeah. And okay. then we went to dinner. We went to like meet for drinks afterwards. I think I invited you. Yes, you what? invited me to go because with Phil, Phil. Phil, somebody feed Rosenthal. Phil. Yeah. Phil, Phil Rosenthal. Somebody, somebody helped this man. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, the, the new season, the offshoot, somebody helped Phil. Yeah. It's like, what, what, what did he do? Everybody <laughs> loves Raymond. He has he did to Everybody have, loves Raymond. He always has to have a Name. blank buddy. Like, you a know, Somebody, everybody, nobody. <laughs> Somebody feed Phil. Everybody loves Raymond. Let's get the fuck out of here. Like that's that's how he ends every toast. Yeah. It has to be an anonymous group of people who endorse who endorse or don't endorse this person's life. Um, but Phil's an Ubermensch. Yeah, he is. He an invited and he loves to eat. He does seem. I remember having the impulse to like. Uh, to break Phil somehow. Like, I wanted to hear something negative come out of his mouth. Well, he's incredibly positive. Because everything's like, hmm, yeah. 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 No, I, I wanted to be like Stanley Kubrick on a, trying to break him, like <laughs> trying to make him do a take like 300 <laughs> times and see if he ever lost it. But he never did. And people, and we had your driver with too. Somebody's driver was there. It uh, was, I think it was... I had an Uber driver or a car or something, and he was very old. Yes, and, and he joined we, us. We invited him to dinner. Yeah. And that is, I don't drink anymore, but that that version of drinking Pete is my favorite drinking Pete. Where you which just is bring like, get person? this driver in the restaurant. Yeah. Like, uh, Janine Garofalo said that to name drop. She said, um, it's good till it's not, which is something from the program from mm-hmm. uh, AA. And I love that. You admit that alcohol is pretty good. You know yeah. what I mean? Until it's not. And I'm yeah. the guy that couldn't stop until it's not. Like, I couldn't stay just in that happy, let's get our driver in. I Instagrammed a picture of me and him. It's like classic uh-huh. three drink Pete. Yeah. <laughs> like three, I was four drinking drink that Pete. night, too. I'm, I don't really get drunk, but I don't... Uh, like, I think I probably had many drinks that night. And I get... I'm not fun when i'm not a fun drunk i'm kind of like a i think you might be like me i I feel drunk like a morose yeah 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 i get but you were talking about having a child and you were very excited about it and Uh and then pete was being like oh yeah it's great and i was yeah no no another pete there was another (laughs) you devil there were three petes there were three petes um phil was phil i remember this yeah phil was very encouraging yeah and i was like well i'm getting a divorce soon so yeah, yeah. No, that, and then the driver actually i don't i can't even remember so much about it i think it was like i remember I, one other thing keep going i i think people kept bringing more food there There was a lot of food and i was like the heaviest i had been i guess up to now but like the heaviest i had been in a while and i was eating all of this food and i was just feeling like garbage and i was trying to get myself like to be sexually Healthy. attracted for the market and i was just the market the market <laughs> it was I'm going back to market baby and then the the craziest part is is i realized this on the dry over that i was uh chatting with somebody on a dating app and they were talking about how they were on antidepressants and how it really changed their lives and i was like i think i'll go on antidepressants from this person i was chatting with i never even went on a date with this is your moderna yes exactly like this is like a life-changing and then i went on like wellbutrin and it helped because i there was a whole bunch of other stuff but it helped me and uh, I never even went on a date with this person, so I. But feel they still like, helped you. Yeah, exactly, wow. and that's why I like dating apps because they. Yeah. Uh, I actually have 
made very good friends off of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I well, think it's cool. It's fun. I, I've, I've recently gone off all socials, and the thing I miss mm. is the rare true loving, true help. Yeah. I heard you say this. Here's, yeah. I've been diagnosed by people from afar, like with something physical. They're like, that sounds like this. You should go to this kind of doctor. Yeah. Fucking changed my life. Yeah. Like saved me. Mm-hmm. I do miss that. And it sounds like you had that with Will yeah. Future. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. This is what I remember. I remember Phil got some chicken dish and I don't eat meat, but I ate that. So I, we were both sort of selling ourselves out. You're trying to get ready for market. Yeah. Remember, I just found out that this, three, uh, this little piggy had you know when you do little piggies this mm-hmm. little piggy went to market i always thought the pig was going to market to buy stuff yeah that means it went to my buy more piggies no like <laughs> buy like pig food oh okay yeah i didn't realize that like feed. it was going to be sold like oh. it went to market like oh, it was slaughtered I see, I and see. went to market i think question mark no i think they were talking about uh the dow jones industrial <laughs> complex i actually as i'm saying it i think it does mean that that piggy just went to like buy stuff at the market because these no, are I think it was anthropomorphic. I think you're right. Really? No, definitely. But like this piggy stayed home. This piggy had roast beef. What piggy is eating roast beef? These are people piggies. You know, some people, you know, they don't know how what to do with their roast beef and they don't know what to do with they their get, pigs. And, they they get, <laughs> and when those two things meet, guess what yeah, the pigs are eating? Yeah. Roast beef. I remember eating some sort of corn dish, like a street corn in yeah, a bowl. Yeah, an elote in a bowl, yep. which doesn't make it an elote anymore. It's on the cob, whatever. I love that. <laughs> I love learning. I remember this is what also introduced, like, made me interested in you. It's just life. I've also already not not so much in this conversation, but almost every time I've talked to you, you seem like incredibly blunt in this really nice way that people like me that can be a little bit sugar coated mm-hmm. uh, enjoy and uh-huh. find very funny. Yeah, I'll give you an example. When I was at the Ramdas thing, you were telling me that you were just trying to pitch something and nobody bought it, and I went. Well, you know, every because of the pandemic, there's so many things on the tarmac. Nobody's buying anything until they can get the shows that they already mm. bought made. And you went, and this did not offend me. I liked it. You went, yeah, I, I don't need any comfort. Uh, <laughs> you just, you yeah. just said, I, I'm good on comfort. Like, I feel fine. Yeah, I don't need to be comforted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, people like me and Val would never say... Yeah, I'm good on that. I actually feel fine. But it's beautiful. It's like, it's a very clear window into how somebody is feeling. And well, isn't that a good thing? It's, uh, I think it is, it's me, it was me taking a stab at uh, analyzing your intentions. You yeah. know what I mean? When like taking some, when somebody says something to you, it was, I guess in that moment, it was me taking a stab of why you might have been saying that because and it you wanted me to feel better about like something being passed on. Well, you know, I'll do you one one dirtier. Yeah. Isn't there a slight power play? And I'm not saying I sure, do this yeah, to yeah. you. Of somebody who I want to be the one going to fix on the market. You. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to make you feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'll concede that that there's a little This is what makes mansplaining offensive or what any kind of explaining yeah. that has an intent tied to power is mm-hmm. always going to be a little bit dirty. And that was very ordinary. I'm not embarrassed that I was doing that, yeah. but that is probably what's going on. It's another version of this line is for me. Oh, that line, and you and I go. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things on the tarmac. Repeating something somebody said to me. Yeah, it's very interesting these micro games we play. Yeah, especially. I mean, I don't know what you've been doing the past year, but I've just been talking about doing things so much. Yeah, to the point where I was making a mood board with like 
you know, pulling things offline and the pictures offline and putting them into an arrangement. I'm like, oh man, it's so great to work in my medium again of pictures. And wow, like, that's because hilarious. I've just been talking about yeah. what this is going to be like, and we're going to get this person who's promising that they're going to work with us when you'll allow us to do this thing. I'm talking about pitching audience, yeah. if you're wondering. And it's just, uh, when I was working with actual pictures again and putting them next to each Doing other, and like, I was like, oh, well, geez, okay. It's been a lot of people telling me how market is and That's like right. what's going on and with you know, market, and then I then I just regurgitate those to other people, and it's just a way to sound like I know what I'm talking about. It's also manufacturing, like most almost definitely a false reality, like a, a not a true picture. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I remember when I, I this is the backdrop of my talk show, I, and somebody I won't say who obviously. They were like, you're doing a talk show? My agents just have been telling me for years, no one's doing talk shows. Talk shows are dead. And you're just like, you just see, like, no one knows what the fuck is going on. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's all just, it's a tapestry of, of gossip, yeah. basically. Yeah, but I, I guess it works. And it keeps, it gives people money for their families. And if people can uh, find value in these these false bits that they are just passing off is is reality well it goes back to your sorry yeah it goes back to your separation sleeping back to back yeah with something is better than being alone and having a false sense of how the industry is is better than being like i don't know yeah yeah i mean like no one knows your agent calls yeah man nobody knows what's going on it's weird out here we'd rather have some sort of take it yeah. comforts us. I get upset when the doctor tells me there's nothing wrong with me. I'm yeah. like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I yeah. I literally came Look to you again. to, to uh, yeah. Look, exactly. Let me see that x-ray. Yeah. Here's the other thing. Did I cut you off? I don't know. We don't even know anymore. doesn't matter. Play the tape. It's man. just life, man. It's just life, man. Look, looking out the window, not looking at me. It's just life, man. And I was like... It is just life. It was a <laughs> profound moment for me. Um, I think the other profound moment that you said it was when I came to you. I'm like, so you're like gathering as much money as possible so you can get out of this, right? That's it, what I was just going to bring yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first thing that you and I, but it bought, we did it in Austin. Mm-hmm. So I was, I don't know where we were. Where we were we between seasons two and three, maybe? I think I was in the process or just about to shoot season two, two three. Or two. It must I think have been it might two, have been two because I lo- yeah two two because you lost weight yeah there you go yeah. um okay that's where I think we were too and I was incredibly a little bit sweaty and desperate to keep the show going we're doing two which is a huge deal and then I really didn't want I'll listen to the sound of this though I really didn't want to be a one season show. What does that mean? It means I didn't want people seeing me and as a failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, I gotta be two seasons. Then you get two, and you're like, I gotta get three. Got three. And I remember at the time, Insecure had turned down a third season to take a year off, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I feel like I'm over here begging for the chance. And I, I was just like, How cool is Issa Rae that she's mm-hmm. like, I need a year off. Mm-hmm. We need some time to live. Mm-hmm. This is what I heard. That they just wanted some time to have experiences and get inspired. Mm-hmm. And I felt like every time I was talking to HBO, it was just like, can I have some soup? <laughs> like, I just, like, just like a weird guy. Thank you for inviting me to your, to your party. I'll just have soup. Like, I'm yeah. just happy for the soup. And I just was begging. They, they were so nice to me. I'm just saying my attitude was, mm-hmm. am I going to get more? And then at that dinner, 
because I wasn't there yet, you were talking about getting out of yeah. showbiz yeah. and like a plan and basically saying like, if you don't have an escape plan, you you might be a sociopath. <laughs> and I was like, and I feel... I, the way, That's wh- not nice. I shouldn't have said that. No, but I think what you're you're saying is something that I, I understand better now. But you were the first person to say it because when I saw you at the Ramdas event most recently, you and I were talking about balance and mm. like it can be unhealthy to just be like, look what happens. I don't mean to be an asshole, but there are a lot of people you see that that stay in the yeah. public eye for a long time. And what happens to these people? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they snap and in a million ways. Yeah. So when Val and I are like, we're finding different ways to sort of appease my creative desire. Mm-hmm. And it, it is sort of like a sexual desire. It's like, I need to have this, this side piece, this mm-hmm. like job. I, I need to create like mm-hmm. you with your mood board going like, it's nice to be back, mm-hmm. back in the saddle. And I'm doing this new show that, and I'm like, loving it i'm just absolutely loving it we could talk more about that because we were talking about how miserable it can be doing mm-hmm. a single cam oh yeah yeah turns out multi-cam is like really really fun uh but anyway now i understand but what what do you what do you remember about then and now your your feelings on show business and balance mm, well i i knew that my i was going through an ego trip at the time i knew that especially because i was entering market as like market. <laughs> as uh as like somebody who i was like who's gonna love me uh as soon as i started getting in there and was aware that i was having more attention than ever because of sexual attention because of like who i was I knew that I was like, oh, this is unsustainable. Like, this is going to fuck up my brain. Yeah. And you open the door to another dimension and it's just like all these. So I was (laughs) swirling snakes or something. Yes, exactly. So I was like, oh, man, like every uh, problem I've really ever encountered was because I wanted uh, validation or attention or whatever. And I put myself in a situation that was ultimately hurtful to somebody else because I wanted like to have my uh cup filled with like positive attention or whatever so i was just very aware Who did it hurt uh if i if if i was with somebody and i cheated on them it was because some because i got a new type of new relationship energy if it was because i uh if i if it was because like i had old friends but like a celebrity wanted to be friends with me then i you are ki- you're killing it i love this yeah so it was just like there's nothing lonelier like yeah. i figured this out yeah i'm sorry i just want you to yeah. not be alone in that statement I was just talking to somebody on on the set of my show. We met somebody and they were a famous person. And like I decidedly, not rudely, but decidedly was like, okay, nice to meet you. And wasn't very nice. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you didn't seem like you cared about that person. And I was like, I'm telling you. I was talking to my friend. I was like, nothing makes me lonelier than what I'm about to say to you right now. So you, Ben, and I are in a fictitious, fictitious restaurant. And we are the most famous people in the room. I hate what I'm saying right now. <laughs> so we talk. Mm-hmm. There's just like an understanding. Yeah, oh, would ben, that happen in Ramdas? It does. Yes. Now I there like spending money to feel something. There's a there's an okay way to do it, which is like I know we had a similar experience. Yeah. We're now on the other side of it. I do get excited about shared life, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, but 
I mean, we could unpack that for a million well, years. Well, it, it feels bad. You like, you're just hitting on the, the nail on the head. It's like you are aware because you were a sentient uh, person that like you've put more value on another person than the person standing in front of you. And that, right. and that just like when you know you're capable of that and you're just like in it. That, when you know you're capable of it is the key phrase. Yeah. I love that. And you see it in yourself and you go, yeah. shit, of course you did because you bought into the system that if I twinkle brighter, mm. I deserve more yeah. love and you even love yourself more. Yeah. And I see you and I go, well, he's special too. I'll talk to him. But this is the part that really kills me. So I'll be talking to you and then uh, let's say in this situation, because I feel like we're on very similar mm-hmm. footing, you and mm-hmm. I, um, but let's say you're also in movies. Mm-hmm. Right, so you're more famous than me in yeah. this story. Then Adam Sandler walks in. Mm-hmm. It is now understood that you will now talk to Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will not talk. Uh, you will talk to Adam Sandler. If you're not there, I will talk to Adam Sandler. But if you and I are there and you're in movies, you will talk to Adam Sandler. And this has nothing to do with Adam Sandler. It's just this like strange, unspoken agreement that at the end makes me feel so... I think it should. It makes me feel really sad and really yeah. hollow and really used and using. But but when you're at the beginning of that trip and you see what's possible, I I just knew that I was going to give into it for a couple of years. Mm. Like I knew there was like, oh, I'm going to probably, mm, I'm probably going to like keep my family away, keep my close friends away so I can be into this new life for a second. I, mean, I just knew that was coming. Your white tuxedo. Yes, exactly. Face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like that Bill Murray thing. It's like if you uh, you got two years once you're famous to be an asshole, and if you do more than that, you're probably just an asshole. Wow. Something like that. You get two years. Yeah. And you know what? As you're saying that, I can hear round notes being like, Go on the trip. Do the trip. Honestly, truly, yeah. I <laughs> for sure. I don't I don't necessarily feel bad about it, but I did know like I just know that like well, for one, like I've been sh- sh- shoving my own image down the throats of my fans and others. Like no one was ever going to put me on TV or no one was ever going to like like roll out the carpet so i could walk down i had to roll out my own carpet Mm -hmm. so i had already like i've kind of and this is i'm not fishing at all but i i know that i'm like probably not what the public like the mainstream uh catch you know what i mean like Mm. everything i've done i've i've put out myself so i was like man if i'm like having to like constantly roll out my own carpet it's just i'm gonna find frustration because like it it just i'm like not like a timothy shallow i'm not a brad pitt or any of these Mm -hmm. people who Mm -hmm. are just naturally magnetic in that way Mm -hmm. so i just knew it was gonna end i knew that i was like (laughs) i knew like this moment i'm having is gonna end right now and stop pretending like you're gonna like want to hold on to it or keep it because it's gonna it's like it's over i could already see the end before the beginning so if i was i was like i better find something else that makes me happy because this is like couldn't be more uh more more uh, more fragile sense of well-being even Mm. at the i would remember being at a premieres for our thing and feeling bad that the premiere wasn't like more cared about or something like that Mm. or like I, i you talked about that feeling about like um, that's another version of the Sandler story. By yes, yeah, exactly. It's just status, like the HBO thing. Like we felt like they're uh, 
stepchildren. We would always say we felt like a HBO's like fourth Karamazov brother or whatever. Like the uh, fourth the the one who was just like they they had a different last name. He was a bastard child. Like he wasn't given the same like your your Dan. Oh fuck! I picked the one name you shouldn't pick. You're Neil Osmond. Yes, sure. Yeah, I've tried to riff Danny. Or, um, but be also because we brought them like a web series that we weren't planning on changing that much to be like we. I always considered the web series as being continued on into the show i didn't see a difference between them Mm. so and because they were licensing all of that property from us they didn't have as much you know they didn't invest as much money in us so i felt like so i could hold on to my own ip i didn't i took less money uh and i'm not doing anything with that ip it's i'm just sitting on it but the, Wait, what is that? They license it for a time, but you own yes, it. Yes, yes, exactly. And now you have the original web series of High Maintenance. If I wanted to make, uh, if I wanted to make a high maintenance Mexico City, or a high maintenance Vietnam, video game, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> high maintenance, uh, fa- um, um, Grand Theft Auto, high maintenance. That's what it <laughs> felt like. Yeah, I could probably, I would be able to do that and not have to ask HBO or something like that. Right. Interesting. So. Um, so I always felt like an outsider of mm. that mm. whole circle. So then you'd go to the premiere and you'd be like, I can really feel the licensing here. Yes, I can really. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe it, were you tying that to my, I was w- looking over my shoulder going like, look at Insecure. It's so cool. Like, it's like the coolest show. And uh, I, I've, I've I probably, spoken to Issa I, about that. I, where I, everybody's I, good. That probably translated into finding price. like, faults with everything else Mm. i probably found faults with everyone around me and convinced myself i didn't like this actually very good piece of material because i was insecure myself (laughs) there it is um but uh you know i would only i wouldn't like watch most other shows because i was like "Ah, i don't want to get compare i don't want to get in this compare and despair thing Mm -hmm. yeah i get that yeah so in austin you were you were it's funny. I didn't think that that was your. My attitude isn't. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it isn't like. I feel like I'm going to be doing show business for the rest of my life, and I'm just trying to get the mix just right. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to go like, oh, this kind of job is great. Maybe I could do this. Maybe I could write books. But I'm trying to find like a way to be like, with yeah, my family you have to as have an audience. So for you, the audience is part of it. Yeah. I, I don't... Because uh... you're good with audience. I saw you connecting with an audience a couple of times now, and I just feel like that you're very good at that. I imagine that somebody receiving... Well, whatever. doing stand-up. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what you mean. I thought you just meant the... No, but anything. This podcast, idea. the... Yeah. You know. It really does feel like a... <laughs> I was going to say a milking. Meaning, you know how cows like to be milked? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> regret this metaphor keep going i'm just saying it's mutually beneficial like i get something i've said this a million times but to give it to you if i'm too high strung or something like i'll go out to dinner with val and i just can't tune out the conversations around me she'll say you need to do a set and she's right there's like a a certain amount that's too much where pete is 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 like walking around like king kong and and starts to lose his center because he believes his own hype and then there's also too little which is i'm i start getting neurotic and Mm -hmm. irritable and strange so like 
feeding a werewolf or something. I'm trying to, and not that he's a bad werewolf. Or milking a werewolf. Or milking a werewolf. And you know how werewolves like to be milked? <laughs> yeah. It's mutually beneficial. It's mutually beneficial. Van Helsing likes it, the werewolf. <laughs> so it, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're saying more like I've crashed a party that I'm going to be kicked out of. Yeah, that's what I feel like in general. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's so funny, but your agent's going like, you're always great on set. Everybody yeah, and you. then I'm like being like, this guy's paid to say, or this guy's not paid to say this, but he just knows that this is the best way to get milk out of me. You think he's a card dealer. <laughs> and yeah. he's like, if he doesn't win, I don't get a tip. And the house wins also. Oh no, UTA wins. Yeah. The UTA casino. Yeah. I definitely like, you know, I've I've wanted to be friends with, like I've wa- I've always want everything to be like I'm hanging out with my best friends. You know what I mean? But if everything's like that, then your best friend you don't have time for your best friends if everyone's your best friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've started to treat my career and my colleagues like just that. And part of the fun of this job is it's very casual and you can like, you know, be very uh, anecdotal with your friends and just be yourself and your personality is your your business, your personality is is like what you're selling. This is another Ramdas thing. Yes, exactly. You know, he goes, "I'm a rent a Ramdas." Exactly. Like, you pay me, and I show up. I actually, I'm going to put this to you. I think there might be a spiritual benefit. Maybe I'm deluding myself. I'm open to it. But I'm like, I actually think there's something uh, valuable in the fact that I've swept up all the hair on the barbershop floor that is Pete Holmes that people want. And I and I piled it up over here. And I know now I have a better sense of who it is mm-hmm. and how it's not really me. I'm not saying it's not Why me. Why is it a barbershop? I don't know. Oh, because it's no cut reason. off your body and you've seen it detached I like from your you body. I tried to make it work. My soul, baby. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying it is me. It is my personality. But because I can turn it up and mm-hmm. turn it in and have it arrive somewhere at 7 p.m. on a mm-hmm. Saturday... I, I'm, it's easier for me to dissociate from it mm-hmm. because I know that that's only me some of the time. That's just the the brightest, shiniest, funniest version of me. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the... That's what this podcast, I get to see this other pile of hair. Mm-hmm. This is like thoughtful host me. And I like that me. I have these different piles, but then I realize I'm like, I'm none of these. These are just piles of hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Sure, I understand So that. I think there is like a little bit of a spiritual benefit to turning your personality into your job because it helps you see that you're not your personality. Well, it's just, it makes life a little bit easier because it's it's more honest it's a little more honest because you're like well i'm see, i'm gauging gauging uh what you uh, are showing up to this conversation hoping for expecting for hoping for That's right. and i'll just i'll just i I'll have just a suit it. for that i'll, I'll just i'll just put it on instead <laughs> of just like going through like the long and the short way of where I am at this moment right now and to yeah. walk it all back into the essence of who I am. Like, right, right. why don't I I'll just, I'll just, all right, give me I'll a give hug. I'll give you the cream right yeah, off the top. Give me a hug. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you to put it, press the, press the gas and then my mom will make fun of your wife's hair. Like that, that, that's just, that's just what we'll do. <laughs> there is like a, not in a bad way, this is nonsense, so let's just get to it, right? There, but also, it's like what you said that I was like, oh, I don't need to be comforted right now. Like, I, I do idealize... You said that. I do. Oh, I, I don't need to be comforted. That <laughs> sounds like my grandmother. It's, it's crazy. such a thug life. You know those thug life videos? Yes, exactly. Boom, boom. 
<laughs> sunglasses coming on your face. But I would like to because I do sell it. I I do like that bluntness. I do like that. Um, it's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit uh, assuming. Like I know what your intention is, but I do. I I've always been the the elephant in the room person who's like you know like we're in hell right this is hell we like you know like that's a common question like this is hell right we're all on the same page like just this is hell right is such a funny thing to say right yeah yeah no no the dip is great but this is hell right yeah yeah, yeah no that's a great shirt but we're in hell but so like when i said to you like how are you going to get out of this? Like, do you have an escape plan? Because that wasn't me in a way being like, this is hell, right? Like I'm having like, I know you were running a show and, and, and I'm, and we talked about this the other day. Like we are living the dream of so many who will never have the, the uh, ability to be granted this opportunity. And at times I would be like, wow, this is hell. Like, this is like, this is complete hell. And I like saying that stuff out loud because like, I I like it lets you look somewhere else. It's like, so, so don't, postpone your joy until you're running your own because then we're on the same team yeah then we're not like then we're not like my shows my show and this person are like being compared to each other and like one of us will be better there's no winner or loser as soon as we're acknowledging the greater context in which we're living in and also that it's hard like every time i find out that somebody's going through a hard time like that's when i when somebody's being an asshole i immediately try to flip into oh they're going through a hard time right now because Mm. no one's being an asshole because they're having a great time Mm. or maybe they are and maybe i need to get on that trip but like uh i i don't like i whenever i find out that there is some shared shared experience of hmm like i remember george harrison in the be in that Martin Scorsese documentary saying like, well, I made all the money when I was in my twenties and I found out that wasn't it. So I could move on to the next thing. And I was like, whenever I have an inkling that somebody figured out a lesson similar to that, I want to commune with them on that because I I like dispelling the illusion. Me too. Well, it's my, everybody knows I'm about to say this. Jim Carrey says, I wish, I wish everybody could have their dreams come true so they could see that it's not the answer. Yeah. And that is, this is hell, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is hell going to the hardware store for milk is one way to put it, but like trying to win it back, trying to buy it. Mm-hmm. All of these things at the end of the day, you you realize you're the mayor of of shit town. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody <laughs> or, or bullshit town. But then somebody is going to listen to this and they're gonna be like, you know, have a feeling. I'm sure that there's somebody out there being like well, they don't know hell. My life is hell. You know what I mean? And But then that gets us into the b- competitive thing again that I was yeah. trying to get out of. Yeah. Like, I just want to be like, yeah, we all know some sort of hell. Like, well, do you know this spiral dynamics? Is no. It's, it's, I, I can't explain it to you, but it's basically the hierarchy of needs, but it's broken down into seven or eight groups, maybe mm-hmm. nine. And, be, and then they're like, I think the first one is beige. And what I'm saying is there's different experiences of suffering. We don't even have to make it funny and say hell. And if you're worried about your food and your shelter and your mm-hmm. health and, yeah. and war and unclean air and all these things, you can't sit around and go like, you know, there's suffering in, in running a TV show as mm-hmm. well. And that's fine. And that's why they break them into different categories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you're in this, these other categories of needs, you just find other hells. 
and and in the Buddhist way, that's a way of being like, look, until you have this realization that it's not what you think it is, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what you think it is. Mm-hmm. This person thinks it's like, if only I could get this uh, job, or if I if only I could get uh, a place to live, mm-hmm. and we're like, if only I could whatever, whatever. Doesn't matter what the thing is; it's the longing for the something else, and you're you're sort of mm-hmm. looking the you're facing the wrong direction. Yeah, you're facing outwards when you need to be facing inwards. But what I would love to get to is to the experience. You know, like in all of these scenarios that we're talking about, it's the expressing expressing oneself through words to try to to meet the other person in a place of we're the same. And what I would, the, my real true aspiration, and this comes down to Ram Dass and it comes down to the things I'm looking around your house, is just like. Don't look around my house. I have to. I, <laughs> everything is vying for my attention please, with its gaudy colors. Please don't look no, at my house. <laughs> I, uh, is I, that I don't want to have to say anything, that I just want a person to feel something and my, to, to, to feel loved in my presence is like truly the goal. And because it's the words that always get in the way. And we we even brought this up, but we both had an, well, I won't, you can edit out whatever you want. But we had our five MEO, MEO DMT experience. And for my part, the, the most amazing thing I experienced was the feeling of presence that I have described in words a million times where I was like, you know, what's the most important is being here right now. You know, what's most important is just the present is the present. And I can say that until I'm dead, but that was maybe the most, uh, that was the most concentrated experience of presence that I have ever known. And now that I know what it feels like, words just don't, come close so to even try to explain this the sameness of all of our experiences under all of the layers of our intelligence is it's not necessary but i know what it feels like so if i feel like i can just be with that and a person can be like wow you like what is this feeling I have around you? Yeah. Like they can be like, why do I feel a certain way? And it's not because I'm trying to make them understand with my words or my intelligence. Well, you I'm, want orange oranges. You yes, don't want to paint your oranges. Yes, orange. exactly. Yeah. That's, that's true conversion. Yeah. And that was my five MEO experience felt like a conversion experience or, you know, like falling off your donkey on the road to Damascus. And I, 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 I lost I, you there. Uh, Paul, he's not actually on a donkey, but Paul was persecuting the Christians. Is it literally murdering Christians? Uh, the Apostle Paul, he wrote yeah. Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians. Yeah, yeah, says, yeah, exactly. As if that's when you know who I mean. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He wrote seventy percent of the New Testament, and he was a Greek, right? He, yeah, yeah, he was, and he fell off his uh, horse or donkey when he had a vision, and it was this vision that converted him. So other people tell similar stories. Eckhart Tolle has a story like that. Mm. He was going to kill himself. And he has this vision. Like he falls into this like infinite. He's so dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? He doesn't have a bunch of people hanging out in a dome about him. You know what I mean? That's true. He didn't have a scene with him. He doesn't have a scene. Yeah. I've been to an Eckhart Tolle event and it was not 
it didn't have the flavor of a of a mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. But that's all happening post post old yeah. RD. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad, but I should I really you know what I regretted is not when I did the dome event, not making fun of the merch table and how expensive there was a sweatshirt for eighty dollars. Yeah. I, I, I w- if I had seen that before I went on, that would have been the first thing I said. <laughs> is like it's great to be here buying eighty dollars sweatshirts. That that is your mom calling out the bangs. That that was the elephant in yeah. that room. Oh yeah. How yeah. is there an eighty dollars sweatshirt right now? Is yeah. the only joke to make. I mean, that's all I want to talk about with that kind of thing. Is like, yeah, elephants in the room. Yeah, exactly. Go on. Like what you know, you know about spiritual materialism. Like uh, Chogim Trumpa Rinpoche yeah. has a book about it, breaking through spiritual materialism. It's but that's a great cling- book. that's like uh, clinging and hoarding spiritual things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, or using a, the using the spiritual experience as a way to raise or lower yourself. Your for, for your ego oh, is hijacking your spiritual. It came experience. in the back door. Exactly. Yeah. You're you're dissolving your ego so good that you get a new ego that has no yes, ego. Yes, and then yeah. anybody who doesn't have like this experience, like the, poor them, they're just waiting to. Yep. No, you're kicking my ass right now because my five meo <laughs> thing, and I love a good ass. It is thing. the most spiritual material. It's it's it, this yeah. induction into this club. Where you're then like... Well, and there's the Joe Rogan machismo tied to it, mm-hmm. too, which is like, you, you can't take three hits of the toad. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I don't mean to use that bro voice. I'm just saying, like, there is a macho-ness. Yeah. Like, you're afraid of, of going into the depths. Yeah. It's like, you, know, you kind of should be afraid. <laughs> That's a scary thing to I do. Would be, I would be scared that a person who uh, didn't know what they were getting into would uh, do have a heart attack he, from fright. Yeah, truly, I I imagine if a person were not ready for that experience, like their their heart would stop. Well, that's why when I did it in the days after, I was like, well, I'm not going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I was like, I talk about everything. I'm not going to talk about this. And it was because I was like, somebody might hear me talking about how great it was because my experience was 100 percent positive. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody in my group had a pleasure trip. Mm-hmm. I did, but and I was like, I don't want anybody in the back of a cab pulling on a five meo vape because pete said it would be okay mm-hmm. it's like this is a tim leary and roundhouse thing it's like the least escapist thing you could do mm-hmm. like if you're looking for like eating an edible and just kind of like laughing at yeah. kung pao way of the fist that's that's escapism mm-hmm. that, that serves its purpose five meo is like all right <laughs> would you like to yeah I, i'd love to hear about yours mine was like i'm gonna show you what it's like to die let's yeah. die but it was the most pleasant thing I've ever done in my life. I, I'm, go, I'm only going to say one thing. I just want to load it into you to relate to you. I can't even remember it. Sometimes I dream about it and mm-hmm. my dreams go, remember it was like this. And it shows mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, thank you. I was trying to remember. And I can't talk about it. So I've had that experience. You can't talk about it. Can't remember it. Can't picture it. Um, but what happened was it's almost like my bones were sandblasted with mm-hmm. some something I couldn't articulate. I said it was like the prodigal son story, which the punchline of that is, you're always with me and everything I have is yours, mm-hmm. meaning you can't be separate from God except in your mind, was sandblasted into me. And I'm, I'm almost done. I really do want to put it to you. No, I'm, I'm just sitting here with my hand on my phone for no reason. <laughs> I like, have my guns drawn. No, no, you didn't look eager. I just don't want you to think I'm yeah. because I can go on and on. Yeah. I love talking about it. There's a the reason there's a lobster hanging on my door is I love lobster stuff. Now it's on the other door, Katie. 
is because I had the feeling of there being no gap between death and the next thing. Like there's no, there's no like, and you're gone. You, you're carried through. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You're yeah. smeared into the next thing. Yeah, there was smear is a great word. And you even described it on the, in the dome as being a seamless transference from like your, the consciousness we all agree on to this one this that piece of infinity inside of us. Yeah. The way you described it was very lovely that there is a seamless transition from seamless. The, seamless it's not to the infinity. dead yeah, yeah. and I'm back. It's yeah, not that yeah. it was it's there's no groove on the record. It's just the same song. I, I had the experience <laughs> I have some tinnitus and I had the experience of my tinnitus overwhelming everything. Like I had that small ringing in my ear just overwhelm my my body my mind everything so that it was just this one vibration this one tone that wow. then then everything followed that from there on at the the kaleidoscopic geometric patterns the but like i said before it's the feeling the feeling it was, was a feeling it was it and it was a feeling outside of a visual component and outside of i a, didn't have a visual component yeah yeah i had a khaki sandstorm it was just yeah. like dots yeah but the feeling was like i had smears i had smears. like that when you said smear like i had it was very you know whatever no, and not whatever you couldn't be it was, a, it was a it was a it was a geometric smearing thing mostly the feeling mostly the vibration and then I kept, I just lied back and I said, this is it over and over and over again. I repeated, this is it like 25 times wow. calmly and just like breathing it out of me. And then my friend who was with me made me a hat that said, here's my spiritual materialism. He made yeah, me a hat that yeah. said, this is it and put a little frog on the back. So here I am, oh. but it's just a nice hat. I it like wearing nice. it's it. It's also a nice gesture. My yeah. trip was very like, this is okay. Yeah, yeah. It, the message, we talked about it afterwards, me and my friends, we were like, it wasn't the Christ trip. The Christ trip would be, it's all one, it's all. Yeah. It was more of the like, have a hat, Ben. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, this Ben's is... Ben's okay. This is it, man. This is all one, but that was an okayness too. It was I, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, I can't talk about it and I can't get you to understand, but it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, as like long a, as... Like, it's like that thing is if I carry that okayness with me and I feel okay, then somebody's going to come around who's like stressed or whatever. And feel safe in your okayness. Or they won't be ready for it. And that's fine too. But like, uh, you know, the only thing you can do, he says, is like work on your own self. Yeah. You can't. And I felt like this was the most I've worked on myself in a way of helping me identify at least the okayness that I'm trying to cultivate in myself 24 mm-hmm. seven. And it's not like I'm bad when I'm not feeling like this, or it's like I'm falling short. It's just like, I can talk about it as I can be dualistic about it as much as I want, but the feeling being it was, and then after that, having to do the laundry or having to do, you know, that Joseph mm-hmm. Goldstein book after the ecstasy, the laundry, it's Jack, great. Jack, Jack, Cornfield. Jack Cornfield. Yeah. Same guy, basically. Uh, <laughs> um, There's another Pete there. Yeah. Um, exactly. Never wrong is like the basis of some great comedy. Exactly. Yeah. Never wrong. Couldn't be. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I, um, yeah, I, I just want to, I, I definitely, uh, 
I don't, I don't want to be like, cause as soon as you said you had that experience, I had this feeling of like, man, I wish I were just not part of a wave of a fad. Well, that's what you said. Yeah, you said yeah, that to yeah. Me. I was like, like, everything's a fad. Everything is a fad. Because we were at a place where there were there happened to be five people standing next to each and other, then, and we had all recently smoked. Yes, and, and, and then like somebody like was like, "Hey, I just heard something about ayahuasca," and then yeah, like, yeah. and then it was, and, then and somebody actually, even said to me, "It sounds like you didn't smoke enough." And yeah. I was like, "Even that is like yeah. you did it, but did, like one of the things I said was like, I say this almost every time I do a psychedelic. I was go, please tell Pete." it was enough. Like yeah. he did it. Yeah. Like it happened because almost as soon as you come down and you go through all the integration period, the voice comes in and goes like, you probably didn't really do it though. Like your, your brain is yeah. like, that wasn't it. It's never going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And I hear Ramdas talking about that. Mm-hmm. He's like, after the initial one, all of it is just scared chasing because you're afraid something yeah. didn't really happen. I say I'll do anything twice. That's my motto. Like I'll try anything twice because like I think it's useful information. It's all good information to know that mm. that about that second time that you're tracing the direct. Like everything is good information now, actually, since this time. And I think that's a great way to put that. Put it because, like, what else is it? It's like, man, I wish this didn't happen to me. It's like, well, it happened, and it's good information. It revealed something about the context of which you're living in or you or whatever, it revealed something to you. So it's all, it's all good and necessary. And that's the lens I'm trying to put on things because the other one of this can't be, or I did it wrong, or this shouldn't be this way. It's just it that it's, it's not really helpful. And it's like, basically your better self is like waiting for you to like, all right, whether it's Maharaji or whatever, it's like, we'll wait. Yeah. We'll wait. We'll wait till you, stop spinning around in circles you know mm-hmm. yeah I, ramdas has a great one where he's like it's like i'm outside bouncing a ball and i'm looking in your house and you're just going mother says it's too late mm-hmm. and it's like that's like your super ego like you have to get over i can't i can't be free mm-hmm. but you can even talking about this is really opening me up which is mm-hmm. really wonderful yeah isn't it funny how close it is i wanted to tell you this just in case you related it's a two-part question one is if i say to you ben if you look at the ceiling or whatever but keep your eyes fixed you see millions and millions of little dots right like do i see millions of little dots i'm asking uh i have tinnitus that's well in your eye (laughs) no yeah that's what it sounds like you're explaining tinnitus (laughs) of the eye uh do i see millions of little dots like let me ask okay like pixels of pixels yeah tiny 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 little it's almost like reality is printed on a screen like a tv screen Uh that is a little bit staticky i can see it everywhere i see it everywhere okay do you Pete, I don't. I don't see the dots, but I understand you? what you're saying. I don't think you guys are paying enough close enough attention. Listen, we look can at do your the- hand. Look at your hand. Do I see a bunch of little dots? Like try and see molecules. Look at your hand and try and see molecules. Do you see any? I can't see molecules. That's very interesting. You'd see them? Um, I don't think they're actually atoms or molecules. No, but I see I can see that reality is made up these tiny little dots. You can see, I can't see that. It's all, um, it's more fuzzy to me. It's all slurred together. Interesting. Yeah. I don't see in that high definition, I guess. Or low definition. Mine looks like a 
70s Scorsese movie. Like, it looks like... Good for you. My reality shot on film. Meaning, I can see the texture. Is that, and when I was is young, that why Crashing was shot on film? Yes. <laughs> when I was young, I thought it was Adam's. So it's not an eyesight thing. It's not like my eyesight's bad. Yeah. I think you guys do see it. I just don't think I'm going to describe Are you going to let well. us just be us, though? Is no, that That's no, the real question. Are you going to let not. us just, <laughs> nope. just see it how we see it? Look at this black thing. Look at something black. And do I see a bunch of little dots? When you look at this, all you see is perfect, like a computer monitor black. You don't see... I can be honest. I didn't expect this conversation. I was driving over here wondering what was going to happen. I didn't You think... didn't expect to be yelled at for not seeing <laughs> I didn't dots? didn't think I was going to You be... just see perfect uniform blackness. You don't see... Almost like. No, I don't. No, I don't. Neither do you, Katie? Well, some of the people listening are like, I can't believe they don't see the dots. It looks effervescent. Reality looks a little bit effervescent. Everything looks effervescent. No, sir, I don't see that way. It seems more solid to me. Wow. Yeah. Maybe you just have better. But I'm saying, even when I was eight, I saw these dots. And I asked Val about the dots, and she was like, I see the dots. But she's a nine on the Enneagram, so who knows? Oh, we can talk about Enneagrams here, too? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gosh, man, if ever ever I felt like completely not original, it was just in this room... Except that I see, don't see dots. You will later. Yeah. At some point, you'll see the dots. Oh, and then don't get me started on the thin, painted, honeycomb, gold honeycomb that's behind the dots. What? Yeah. I mean, you guys got to... Where does some, it stop, though? Close your eyes. Do you see dots? I see more like blobs. Blobs. I see more like shifting... No, I see those, too. But what are the blobs amorphizing, moving, sliding across. Isn't it a sea of black, maybe dark purple, blue? Like almost as if you were seeing atoms, the smallest little dots. Sure. There is some dot activity. I would have thought of them as rods and cones. Uh, Don't bring science into this. um, (laughs) The honeycomb, though, that's a different one. Well, that's only... You got to look at something white to see the honeycomb. Yeah. But when you open your eyes... Don't you see that those dots are still here? They're just on me now. Yes, a little bit. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. My trip was, that's what we call God. Like, the whole thing mm. is printed on God. And when I smoked 5-MEO, I went into the purest place of the dots. Sure, I understand pure, that. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't mean to get so passionate You're okay. About it. okay whatever is, whatever you're feeling right now is okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It feels nice. Yeah, it's truly it nice to be okay. Mm. That's a big Ram Dass thing. It's like, I can't solve your problem, but I can create a space for you to solve your problem almost like in me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'll be calm enough so you actually have, it's like a second hard drive. What, My hard drive will be so empty that you can actually put some of your shit in mine. I, yeah, I heard that he was just very good at dropping whatever desire or need he had so that you could... Mm, he could be of service to whatever you were working on. Yeah. Did you ever meet him? No. See, this is also spiritual materialism. Yeah. It start, I used to be so jealous of people that met Maharaji, and now people might be jealous of me that I got to see Ramdas, and, yeah. and then we'll be dead, and Katie, they'll be like, you met Ben? <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, I just, I've, I've, yeah, I haven't, re- there's been a slight bit of... Uh, FOMO? FOMO, but honestly, like, uh, I'm 
whatever I'm doing here with this, this, this story, this incarnation, whatever is, it's all work I'm doing on myself. And it's not even me who's doing the work. It's, it's, if we're going to go that way, it's the Maharaji that is doing the work. The big thing. Yeah. The big thing. And it is working through me. So the more I get on board with like whatever control I think I have about this whole thing, whether like it's the control of like me buying a ticket to go out to this Hawaiian thing they have going on at the beginning of December and me moving my schedule around so I could go there and be closer to this feeling. This thing. It's like, if, if that is what's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. The decision has already made itself. It's like every sound is the memory of a sound. Have you ever tripped out on that? Every sound is the memory of a sound. You're, like you're not actually hearing me talk. Sure. You're remembering this, the sound that I already made. Sure. And every choice is already made. Yes. This is a Byron Katie thing. He's like, I you, feel you, that you have that the illusion the... that you're like, I'm going to touch this. But yeah. really, the decision was, it's already made. I feel that, I feel that in spades. So I, it actually, it's what's so nice about that lens is that it, um, it, it takes the, takes the, uh, decision fatigue out of it. It's like, all right, you, okay, Mr. Showrunner, like you feel like you need to make uh, this biggest part about your days or the stress, most stressful part about your job is that you have to say yes and no to so many things. Like that's what so often I hear, but it's like, you've already said yes and no. It's just reiterating something that you already know. Well, this is a Ramdas thing too. And I've taken this into my new job is like, it's just hanging out with people. Yes, exactly. It's just hanging out with people. And I really just, I, I I'm saying this because I think you'll enjoy it on my, the new uh, multicam show I'm doing, which we don't know the title or I'd plug it, but um, I'm realizing that they tell me where to stand. I'm not running it. I didn't write it. I'm acting. They tell me where to stand. They tell me what to say. They tell me when to be there. They tell me when to leave. They tell me when to eat. The opportunity to be spacious is, mm-hmm. it couldn't be better. Yeah, yeah. All you have to do is be loving. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the rest of the time, yeah, you have to act and stuff. But like, if that's not that difficult yeah. to you, like learning your lines or whatever, you can just focus on being like a little smiling, hello. Yeah. <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? Must be what a model feels like. Yeah. 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 I'd like to think that there are people that are like, this is a great opportunity. All I have to do is work on my inner state mm-hmm. and being spacious. Truly, I think that's, you know, I, the I I always get into trouble. Like the last time I had an experience acting, and I know that our time is up soon. It's not up. That was oh. the 90 minute line. Oh, oh, 90 minute. Wow. You uh, usually go to. I, uh, I know that my... Uh, you are like, like me. I, I wouldn't I, have been able to let that go. Yeah, I like to t- keep the time. I just always keep the time. Are you a one? Uh, I'm a four. Oh, I thought four you seven. It's either a f- it flips back between a four and a seven. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I have a lot of four too, and I think that's our love of elephants and depth. Yeah, that's why I wasn't nervous at all about you coming over. I was like, I think you might be a four. I think I'm an equal parts three and four. I don't think either one is a wing. Mm-hmm. I'm a three four. Yeah, and I was like, we'll we'll be fine. Yeah, four. Four is funny because uh, there is, I feel like when a person who's a four finds out they're a four, they're bummed about it, which is the most four thing you can do. 
<laughs> you're just like, man, I'm just like moody and I like... You're Eeyore. And I'm trying... I don't think anyone gets me. I'm like a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but I like the meaning search, which is also a five, but I like the meaning whole thing, like mm-hmm. uh, trying to put everything in a greater context. What was I going to say before this, Pete? Oh, man. I'll find it. Oh, when I'm acting, I was acting in something earlier this year. And because I had been directing and having to do something and having to like, like I found it very difficult to just sit there and be because I was just like looking at the time, looking at You're how still ma- I was like, still like, well, we have, we're supposed to be done in like five hours and this is a big scene. And like this person's footage could have turned into that person's footage if they just like, blocked it so i had a problem with like Mm. not doing stuff Mm. and being i feel like i'm still figuring out how to do that on a set because i was working with on this show dave last year and i was i was a producing director so i directed some episodes and basically sat at video village and and offered a it was hard to know what my job was, to be honest, because the, Dave already knew what he wanted. And like he basically just wanted to hear what everyone had to say before he did the thing that he knew he was going to do anyway. Very uh, what we were just talking about. Yes, exactly. The decision's already made. Dave out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I pretty much would say that to him. Like I'm like, you already know what you're going to do. So like this survey is... Just it's it just theater. designed to make you like it's just part of the ritual that you you're don't going think there through. was a way that you could pitch something that was so good he had to go. Sometimes like, it happened like yeah, that. Sometimes, yeah. but it would often be like you know, for every hundred texts I gave him to be like, well, maybe if like you just end and it's COVID or whatever, that would have been a terrible way to end the season. Yeah. But like, uh, I would come from like left left field pitches. But what I realized halfway through that was I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be. Uh, opposing balancing energy for this. That's right. So there's like just people running around. I'm supposed to be like the person who's like at the end of like this verbose, you know, marching orders. I would just be like, great job, everybody. Like I, like it was a big joke at, at the end of everything. I would just say, great job, everybody. Just like to, (laughs) and everybody knew that that was like some kind of unexplainable acknowledgement that like, man, this is a lot of work and like, what the hell are we doing? And like, I don't know. It was just kind of like taking the seriousness out of a thing. So once I realized that that is a job to actually just be light or be... It reminds me of like an entourage. It's like this guy's job is he just stands next to me. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't... Like, we don't like that. We like people to win and and achieve and have results. But sometimes it's somebody's job to just be a body next to you that feels nice the person who you were wondering if they were the showrunner on my show that was that person's job to just be just steady just to be yes exactly a steady eddie and that person i actually have learned a lot from that person about that role and and legitimizing that because at first i would be like wait a second what do you do and it's like oh you just maybe it's more about what you don't do yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. Wow, I love that. Because sometimes in Val and I's relationship, I'm much more of a producer than Val. There's a lot of like external things that you can point to. This is one of them. This is the backdrop. <laughs> Here's a thing Pete did. And I'm like, oh, no, anyone like Jesus with eyes to see knows that the real thing that's going on here is Val. But it is what she's not doing mm-hmm. more than. And now she's doing more and more. She's becoming a nice uh, achiever that, to please herself in different ways. And that's great. But like there's a real subtle art. And I think it's a very traditional, not, not in our relationship, but masculine feminine tension of like, what is it you do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because we don't have a good connection to intuition mm-hmm. and space and, and love and patience and nurturance and all that sort of stuff. We just want, uh, we want to be Jason Bourne, basically. We want to shoot everybody in the head. Never saw those Bourne movies. Um, I think they're pretty. But he just he sounds pretty active. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like he had a lot going on. Always running. Yeah, always, always running. running. I just said this on Brett Goldstein's podcast. There, I think those movies, because there's always an agency that's chasing him and he's running off. Mm-hmm. I'm like, the agency is our parents or our old life. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to run off and find love and find yourself. Mm-hmm. But there, And your mom is always like, are you coming for Christmas? And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what the NSA is basically in that movie. <laughs> but then in the end of the movie, spoiler, he has to forgive them. That's always the end of it too. That's always like... You know, the well-made movie is like, there's no place like home or whatever. Yeah. You have to keep going back there. Well, you have to go back. It's the hero's journey. You have to go back to where you started. This is Richard Rohr, whose book I just moved. It's like, the first forgiveness is to reality. Christianity has been like ruined into being like, you have to be forgiven because Ben, you said fuck earlier, or you masturbated yesterday or whatever it might be, which is so stupid. The real juicy forgiveness is, is total forgiveness of you and also total forgiveness of reality. It's, mm-hmm. it's very Eastern in that way. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like we're saying, like, it's already happened. Mm-hmm. You're being lived. Mm-hmm. You think you're living, you're really being lived, and it's all okay. Everything yeah. belongs. And I don't know, mystical Christianity is really crude. The juicy forgiveness is also pretty good. Maybe you hold on to that. For, that phrase? For, makes, take it to market sometime. And the juicy probably... forgiveness? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Raya, the juicy forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you feel good? How do you feel? Today? Yeah. No, I mean about this podcast. So oh, yeah. If we're closing. Uh, you know, just... I came in here... Uh, I found myself like rehearsing what I would say. And I was just like, oh, you don't need to do that. Not for this. <laughs> I kind of knew the story area we would be talking about. I feel mm-hmm. like we had a good time. I wonder what it would be like to listen to this. I w- I've been thinking about the audience's experience and what chores they'll get done while they uh, mm-hmm. ingest this or where they'll drive to or how many reps they'll do. Uh, and... Uh, I don't know. It's I it's it's funny because like I I wish I could do this with pictures. I wish I could just like sit with like a bit sit in a library of reference photos and and attach a, a photo or a picture to everything that I tried to communicate here because mm. for me that is so much more uh pungent or potent. Mm. Uh so I hope that somebody walked away from this with 
uh, something they could pass off as their own at a cocktail party mm-hmm. uh, because that's the highest compliment you can get from a podcast. Is <laughs> like, I'll man, I that. passed this off as my own knowledge. Got to day. somebody at a party being like, well, there's just a lot of shows still on the tarmac and they got to yeah, clear those exactly. out before they can buy any new ones. And somebody t- correcting somebody to not comfort them because that's not what they asked for. I used to, work- but you know, that that's a real four thing. I do that too. It, it's like I'll I'll provoke in these ways to shock someone yeah. into the now. I know that sounds like very no. That's, that's I'm going like shut fucking shut shut the fuck. Tony Robbins does that. That's what he says. He's like I use I use curse words because I'm shocking people into the now. Exactly. That's it. Because I would rather die than just be like so bad. High maintenance was a web series. But don't you love being... I don't know if you have this experience, but don't you like being the quiet person in the corner that eventually people find? That's... Be, like, discovered? I like being discovered. I think think when I go to a group of strangers, I am quiet at first. I am, too. And then I, like, gauge everybody. And that's what I'm doing, is I'm making little jokes and I'm offering little nuggets of realness, meaning... I just met somebody I hadn't met before last night, and five minutes in, Val and I were telling them about the worst date we ever had. Mm-hmm. It's that we've talked about it publicly many times. It was just this meal where I felt like she wasn't there for me because she was too there as a nine. She was mirroring her friend too much, and I felt lonely. So then I started making a lot of inappropriate jokes because I knew her friend wouldn't like it. But it was my way of like in a petulant sort of way trying to get attention and love. And we were talking about it, and we were all interested. And I was like, "That's those are those little tests." You go like. Well, that reminds me. That, that's why words like Enneagram or Ramdas or Five uh, Meo or whatever it is, these are little shortcuts to go. Like, would you like to talk about mm-hmm. something yeah. other than the new Avengers movie or whatever? Yeah. Although I'll talk about that too. I didn't see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, good. I felt great about this. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. It was nice to meet you. Kate. Oh, you wrapped it up. Yeah, it's a power move. I may. Yeah, there is one final question. Oh yeah. What is it about cheese? Keep it crusty? No. Keep it cheesy? Wow. Well, isn't that it? Don't you have to say something about keeping it crusty? This is... I want this, the last 30 seconds, and this, and the next 15 seconds played at the top of every episode. Because this is the best thing that's ever happened on the podcast. I had to finish it. I have to finish something off, even though I already finished it. What do I... You have to say... Well, I'll tell you what you have to say. We have one more question before you do that. If you want to do it. Yeah, okay. The decision's already been made. Yeah, it's already happened. It's, the question is being answered. Can you... I, can I also... I'm going to I'm gonna pay myself a compliment. I didn't ask you one weed question, dude. I didn't ask you You made you a 420 one. joke and that's it. That and that's great. It. And I would have made that joke no matter who it was because there's know, two funny numbers. You want to know, audience, just so you know, I, uh, for the first time in my adult life, went without weed for three months this year. Oh, wow. summer and it was really difficult and i have to say uh on another podcast sometime go in greater detail about it but if you ever want to not smoke weed and you can't those meetings are great you go attic meetings yeah ma ma yeah ma there it's out there if you want it i smoke weed again and I'll probably stop again because I liked my life without it better than I liked it with it. Well, it's interesting. One of the yeah. reasons I didn't bring it up is because I have a very complicated life. I, I don't drink. And, and my problem with weed is if I do it today, I'll do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and I, so I have to like yeah, not do I'm, it. I basically am coming back from choosing not to do it. And I think, 
I think I like my life without it better, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But same. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here I, I guess I found a way, a backdoor into it. But I, I, I'm interested to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. Because there is something where you go like, reality. It's so, <laughs> it's so good for entering an idea through a back way. And it's so good for being uh, amused by something that you wouldn't find amusing in your sober life. Those are two very good yeah. uses for it. That's true. And then those 45 minutes pass. And then you're, and then you're, it it's, has diminishing returns. <laughs> it does. Well, like anything, yeah. I was chewing nicotine gum for a while, and mm-hmm. even that like, wouldn't always get you that elation mm-hmm. feeling, and alcohol for many years. Yeah. And you realize, Val helped me realize that, is that you're like, out of 10 times, it might be one time yeah, yeah. that you hit that magic stone where mm-hmm. you'd be like, <gasps> yeah, yeah. like, just so happy, and then you're just kind of suffering through <laughs> but the other nine. But it's sick. It's awesome when you get there. I can't say it's good or bad. I just, it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like you can, you know, there's another game waiting for you if you're done with that game. There you go. I, okay, so Richard Rohr, again, he wrote a book called Breathing Underwater. It's about sobriety, and he's really trying to get people away from that dualistic thinking, which is a very addict thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you quit drinking, my father quit drinking, and then he was like, alcohol is evil. Like, it has to be evil. Yeah. But that's also like, that is mm-hmm. a byproduct of the needing to stop drinking, mm-hmm. is, is that it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. They either get fucked up all the time, like, you have no yeah. subtlety. So that's why I was trying to say, like, alcohol is good until it's not and mm-hmm. weed is good till it's not so i love that you're steering us away from those all or nothing statements yeah um anyway okay so we did talk about that a little bit i was gonna ask the time you laughed the hardest in your life can you think of it yeah my dad you knew it my dad i use it whenever i have to laugh in something <laughs> uh my i probably won't laugh telling it now because i don't know why that made me laugh it's so dead hard. yeah if i ever like needed to like just be like <laughs> Uh, just that there's that in the background there um my dad we were in primal fear at the dollar theater uh and we ate lavash before it lavash is like a cracker with like pizza on it. it's like a cracker pizza <laughs> and we uh and then we went and saw this movie and primal fear's got a very intense courtroom drama thing going on is that ed norton yeah ed norton like killed someone and he's got a split personality and Richard Gere is getting to the bottom of it because he's his lawyer getting him off. So there's this period in the courtroom where they just talk about like that the priest that he murdered was abusing them sexually and it was just like so intense. And then my dad was asleep and he farted (laughs) and he farted so loud. It sounded like you dropped a bowling ball onto concrete. It just like something about the, the floor under him and and he woke himself up oh, no. and he and he didn't know he didn't know if it was a dream or not so i just saw him wake up and his eyes just shoot up and uh it was, i was laughing i laughed for days after that for, for days it was it was he didn't know if it was a dream and he's just his eyes just shot open and he looked straight ahead oh. and man it was so funny that is a great one. I was just on a plane. I'm embarrassed to say this, and I had a dream that I farted so long and loud, and I wo- and then I woke up and I was like, "Please tell me that was a dream." <laughs> I'm honest. I'm I've had it with hiding my farts. I've I'm done with that. 
I'm like, that's me. (laughs) Like, got it. Over here. I'm done with it. Especially on planes. It's like, you think we're going to be on this flight and not one of us is going to fart? Over here. There's a lot of farting happening on planes. And the masks help. Yeah, that's why their seats are so thick. Oh, you think? Part of it. To absorb all that beef? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. I bet. No. All right. Now you say keep it crispy. Okay. Keep it crispy. Oh, you got it. Yeah. You're dropping all sorts of stuff. (laughs) My stuff. Oh, no. My stuff. Thank you, Ben. That was excellent. Yeah. Loved it. That was great, man.